Well, hello there, and welcome back to another episode of Help My Business is Growing, a podcast where we explore how to grow and build a business that is healthy and sustainable. I'm your host, Kathy Svetina. This used to be fun, but it's just not fun anymore. Is a common phrase when people are overwhelmed in their business. Because starting a business can be exhilarating, it can allow you to create something unique and be essentially your own boss. But as your business grows and becomes more successful, it becomes more complex. And you may struggle to keep up with all the demands of clients, employees, investors, and everyone else that is involved in your business. You may also find yourself drowning in emails, phone calls, to-do lists, and without any clear way to prioritize your time or manage your workload. So how can you, as a business owner, overcome these challenges? And how do you build the systems needed to support this growth, both in your business and in your personal life? As a quick reminder, all of the episodes on this podcast, including this one, come with timestamps for topics that we discuss, and each one has its own blog post as well. You can find all the links and the detailed topics in this episode's show notes. My guest today is Jessica Yarber. She is a growth expert who quickly developed a reputation for being one of the best business strategists for coaches and consultants who want to sell and scale ultra high-end services. Her background is in international business, and she has built multiple companies. Jessica is a genius at showing entrepreneurs how to build an expert platform, rapidly raise their value, build credibility, and attract high-paying clients. She loves teaching entrepreneurs how to grow their influence and make the income and impact they desire. This is going to be a great episode. Join us. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here because we're going to be talking about something really interesting. And I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of value out of this. Because, you know, when people start their own businesses, usually they want more freedom. But as the business grows, everything gets more complex. That's nothing wrong with that. There's just an evolution of business. It's just a natural thing. But the way what really matters is how you handle this. If you're building the structure to support this complexity, not just in the business, but also in your personal life as well, right? Yeah. So what I've heard a lot of my clients say that it used to be fun, but it's just not fun anymore. And I see this as an indication of that the current systems, whether in the business or in the personal lives, it's just not working anymore. I see that when stuff is not working operationally, it's not going to be long before it starts to be a problem financially, which is where I get worried. So what do you see with the clients that you work with? What is their biggest problem? Mm, that's a good question. I think the biggest thing, especially when people's growth gets bigger, is to make sure that your business model isn't set up where you're starting to resent it or where it feels like another job. Because I think every entrepreneur starts their business because they want the time freedom. They want to enjoy their life. And we all know that building a business is a very hard work. So anybody who tells you it's not is full of it. Run. You've got to roll up your sleeves and do the work. And those levels of freedom come when the revenue comes, right? Because then you have the ability to hire help and all of that. What happens though is sometimes people get stuck and they never get to that enjoyment place. So if you've built a business that you feel exhausted, if you're feeling burnt out, if you're starting to resent it, if you're starting to resent your clients, those are all telltale signs that fundamental things have to happen either within the strategy of the business itself or with how you are handling that stress in your life, the systems, et cetera. So you need to figure out where the 
the source of that pain is coming from. And when people come to you for that particular pain, do you see that there's a common thread between where they have gone wrong in the past and what do you need to adjust to fix this in the future? Yeah. Oftentimes they're stuck at the center of the business. Even if they have a team, they're still doing too many things. Yeah, They're still not delegating to their full potential. Many of them have a team, but it may not be the right people in place. So, or it's the right people and they're not focusing on the right activities. We may need to let someone go, add another person. So there's usually some team issues. There's oftentimes some sense of control that they need to let go of as well in terms of micromanaging. And that is just going to exhaust you as the business owner. You have to learn to trust your people and build that team. But also what happens is if the financial engine is not operating, and I know this is part of your wheelhouse as it should, then that's going to create strains because the cash flow is not flowing (laughs) or it's limited or it's stagnant or whatever it may be. And so there could be pricing strategy. I mean, one of the big things I help my clients with is pricing strategy because we need to generate more cash flow. And a lot of them are undercharging, severely undercharging because there's a lack of awareness of what the market is willing to pay. And then also some measure of imposter syndrome. So if the finance has to be addressed, then their time has to be addressed right? Yeah. I had a client come to me who was making 700,000 a year. And literally if someone came to them and said, here's a hundred thousand dollars, I want to take, you know, buy your top level program. They could not take them on because they were that busy. So that's a problem as well. So we need to free up your time so that you can take on more clients. We need to make sure you're earning enough. We need to make sure you have the right systems and people in place so that you're not running off assets of the business, even if you are the business owner. Pricing is such a big part of this because I don't know if you've noticed this too when you work with the businesses, but the businesses that I work with, they always have, I would call this the poverty mentality where it's always this, but who would want to pay for this? Or am am I pricing too much? No one's going to want to buy this. But the issue with that is that you're putting yourself in a position where you're judging your customers with the mentality of, would I want to pay for this versus would they want to pay for this? Because what you're struggling with not might not be the same as what they're struggling with. So you don't see the value of your own product or your own service. And a lot of times when I'm having these conversations with my clients is, what if we switch this around and say, maybe you're not actually charging enough. Mm-hmm. And that's why you don't have as many clients or as many customers because there's also this mentality of people always value stuff more that they see that the price is higher, right? hundred percent. Well, you, you don't expect the cheapest to be the best and you don't exactly. expect the best to be the cheapest. So who do you want to go after? I will tell you this. No one is going to volunteer to pay you more money. Even if you've got good clients, they're not going to say, oh, can I please pay you an extra 5,000 per month or whatever it may be. And every single client that I've ever worked with, we've raised their prices, usually on average two to four X, sometimes and in some cases, 10 X. And part of what I do is I help them have those difficult conversations. I put difficult, actually difficult in quotation marks because it's really not. It's their own inner stuff that we have to work through. And I will tell you that 90% of the response that they get was, yeah, I know I've been getting a deal. I know you should be charging me way more. Like they know it. They know it. So if you're undercharging, that's an internal problem that you have to solve that within yourself 
and get the confidence to charge more, you're going to keep attracting the same people. You're going to keep undervaluing yourself and you're going to resent your clients. If you resent your clients, that's a path to burnout. And the interesting kind of spin on that is there's a one thing if the owner has an issue with that, but I think when it gets more complex is where you have salespeople who have the same issue, where they don't believe that the value that you're providing of the service or the product, whatever you're selling, is justifying the price that you want them to sell at. Then get rid of those people. (laughs) They do not belong on your team. I will tell you when I'm looking at team members for my business, it's very important. I'm not looking for someone who's a crazy optimist and visionary. I'm, I'm definitely a visionary, but I cannot have pessimism in my business. I cannot have anyone because my clients are in this place of possibility. I'm in this place of possibility. It's rooted in strategy, right? Yeah. Not woo. It's like very much rooted in strategy, but I cannot have pessimists in the business. So if you have your frontline salespeople or anyone on your team who doesn't believe that you're able to raise your price, that the value's not there, then you need to get rid of them because they will drag you down. Yeah. And they drag down not just the business that particular deal or whatever you have, they will drag down all the team members and the rest of the business. It gets, it can get really, really hairy, really fast. Absolutely. You got to have the right people. And I know that the people problem is the biggest issue to solve. And when I say the people problem, I'm talking about client delivery and team members, right? Even I have colleagues who have eight figure businesses. They will say that's the biggest issue, right? Because we are complex as humans, We're having our own emotional stuff. We have a life outside of work. We have family and life and death and health and all these things happening. And then you have different personalities, values, culture, everything. And this all has to come together and it can clash. So it does take time to find the right people and you have to nurture them. You have to love on them. Like I was talking about before we hit record and treat them well and they'll stay. But you got to have the right people. It's just like a bad client. They can poison the water that for your team as well. When you are hiring for your own team members, is there any particular thing that you're looking for when you're interviewing people that could be potentially on your team? Personality, attitude, value system. We can teach skills. Obviously, there's certain applications are like, we need you to know this. <laughs> you know, there's a few core ones. My business uses a ton of apps. I don't care if they know all of them. They just have to know, you know, a few of the basic ones, like our project management app is an essential, for example, that they have to know. But I am looking for attitude. I'm looking to see if their personality is going to mesh well with my other team members, if they're going to be collaborative, if they're going to communicate Or do they have shared values? A big value for me is loyalty. I want people who are loyal to the business and confidential for my clients. So I'm really looking at value systems, attitude, personality, even more than skill set in some cases. Are there any particular things that you ask when you're interviewing them to gauge whether they might have a loyalty issue or a value issue that it's important to your business? How would you know that in an interview setting? We asked just certain questions about how they handle different situations in the past, or if certain situations come up, what would they do? My operations person, I've handed off all the hiring to, so she knows the business well, and I kind of do the second round, if you will, final interview alignment. But we have deep dive interview questions, uh, initial application questions, and then we ask certain questions just to see how would you handle a certain situation, and that can give us insight how they would respond to it. And sometimes even in the application themselves, they're rejected based on how they responded to how they would handle a situation. So that's where we do our digging. And, and then honestly, do they interview well? Great. And then 
do you like them? Do you trust your intuition? Do you want to work with this person? I definitely lean on that for my final round of decision-making for the business. I hate to say this, but a lot of that is also based on a gut feeling as well. Yes. Because I've noticed that every single time I, because I've hired people in my own business too, mm-hmm. I have this inkling that something just might not be a good fit. Yes. You got to trust your gut, especially as women. I feel like we're really powerful, yeah. <laughs> very intuitive. So you have to trust your gut and do that with everything. And and then you have a trial. And, and I feel like you know within the first 30 days, if not sooner, if this person is going to work out. Are they getting it? That's important. Do they get it? Are they catching on? So we know pretty quickly whether they're going to be a fit or not. We talked about the systems in the business, having that that really supports the growing business. But since small businesses are so meshed with the private life of the owner as well, Mm -hmm. we talked about this before we started recording. And I thought this was interesting because you have said something that you have to have the internal and external systems. And it really dawned on me that it's so, so true, especially when you're growing your business, when you're founder, when you have the small business, not having just support in the business, particularly, you know, from the operations person, salesperson, marketing, whoever you have but also people that are going to support that in your private life. So can we talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. For anyone that is a parent too and running a business, like where do you feel overwhelmed? For some people, it might be laundry. I remember when laundry was like overwhelming for me. So I outsourced my laundry. I shared with you before that we had a private chef for several years that would come in and cook meals for us a couple of nights a week. I actually rediscovered like a passion for cooking. So I'm really enjoying it right now. But if I felt overwhelmed in that area, I would outsource that. And that is a gift to have someone come in and cook for your family. Having someone come and clean your house. We know that if you are a person with a home and you have a kid and you cook or multiple children, you basically clean all the times because you've got to tidy. You're constantly tidying. But I'm talking about outsourcing deep dive cleaning. Do you really want to spend four hours of your weekend scrubbing toilets, showers, and all of that? Or is that something you can outsource? Do you ship a lot? Do you have a personal assistant that can pick up dry cleaning or do shipping for you? There's so many activities that you can outsource if you're they don't bring you joy. And if you find them overwhelming, if your joy is, hey, I get relief from stress by cleaning, then keep that. If your joy is, I love cooking, then keep that. But those things that are part of life, you can outsource. Other things I would say, part of that self-care piece is making sure you have either the people or the systems in place to take care of yourself. Because one of the things I notice with entrepreneurs is one of the first things to go is their health. I know a lot of successful entrepreneurs that grew their business and gained a hundred pounds, had a heart attack, ended in divorce because they couldn't maintain strong relationships with their spouse or whatever it may be. So where are you adding support in your life to ensure that you are staying healthy and that your family's staying intact? COVID brought the emergence of building out a home gym. So do you have a home gym? You can, a Peloton, I have the mirror, you know, this, the little exercise mirror. Are you putting the right food in your body? If you don't have time to grocery shop, use Instacart, have your food delivered. There's so many services right now and make sure that you're, you're taking care of yourself and you're putting the right foods in your body and you have systems in place to take care of your health as well. And I so agree with that because I saw that as I was building this business for the first year or two. The focus was completely 100% of business and messed up my sleeping schedule. I gained about 
40 pounds, it's just awful. But it's not about the gaining the pounds. It's more about the effect that this has on your health. and your mental Definitely. Health as well. What I've noticed, particularly for myself, is how much I need and crave that boundary between work and home. Yes. When I realized this, for me, has been that I have actually got an office outside of my house. Mm. Even though in my house, I have a really nice, great office. For me, it was such a great investment in my mental health, in the business to have an outside office, because that gives me that structure, yes. that support that I need to be the best that I can be. And I've heard that, that, that a lot of people do that and it can get blurred. So you have to be very disciplined. Well, you have to be a very disciplined to work from home, even for those folks that are employed. Right. And so using that discipline, having that clearly defined, like this is work time or maybe even physical work location is key. Having Set hours. This is something else I work with my clients on is taking back control of their calendar. I don't let people book whenever. I have a strict, I do not work Fridays rule. Even if my team needs something, they'd be like, hey, (laughs) they try not to bug me. It's kind of urgent. They know that's, of course, I'll step in, but I don't work Fridays. I mentioned to you before having five to six weeks of vacation is really important. So taking control, time blocking, grouping activities together. I have dedicated coaching days and that's the only time I coach within an entire month are really important because if you don't control your calendar, it will control you. And then it bleeds into your personal life. Then you come back to that resentment piece. Even if you're making good money, you don't want to be in a place where you're resenting your business. I think a lot of people struggle with this because, and I know I've been on this end too, when you're listening to this podcast, like we've given a lot of suggestions what you could do and you could think, well, this is all fine and dandy. I love this thing, but it just will not work in my business right now. I'm completely 110% over capacity. I, my hair's on fire, even have no idea how I can get lunch in scheduled in. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think it's the best way to at least get closer to what we're talking about from yes. where, like, oh my God, my hair's on fire. I don't know what to do. Raise your prices, cut your client workload in half. I've done it with so many clients who are completely overwhelmed. It's the only way you can scale. And it's the the only way you're going to... I've helped my clients literally cut their hours in half without even impacting their revenue. So making the same amount... Imagine if you can take make the same amount of money and work half as many hours, right? Now you've got time. You can reclaim your health and you've got additional time to then be able to actually grow the business right? And to take on more clients. So pricing strategy is huge. Letting go of clients who aren't going to come along for the ride, making space for ones that are. The good news is when you raise your prices, you're going to get more referrals from higher caliber clients who are going to come in paying you more. So you have to make the changes. If you're, And I've had a lot of people come to me with this because in some ways it's more challenging when you're successful, right? Because you are so busy and time is where you're limited, but we have to alleviate that pain if you want to have your life back and ultimately grow the business. There is no scenario in which we can't fix. Like, you know, we have to look at, I had a guy apply to work with me who was doing 800,000 or something a year. And when we looked at his numbers, his profit, this will kill you. It was like 60,000. And the guy was like, I haven't had a vacation in years. I work 60 hour weeks. And I was like, listen, 800,000 revenue and 60,000, you have a real problem here. And, you know, we can fix it. <laughs> so. <laughs> so in that particular situation, was it just raising the prices that solved it or was it something else no. as well? 
Oh, no, no, no. That He had way too much overhead, too many employees, too many physical, uh, two physical offices, and his expenses were out of control. So he had a, a real problem because we don't normally see that with my clients ever. Most of the clients come to me have high revenue and typically high profit because coaching and consulting in general is a high profit business. It's a lean business. Yeah. Which is a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. And the, the nice thing about the coaching and consulting is that A, you do not need a lot of clients. So you do not need a lot of volume, especially yes. if you have the prices done the right way. And really when it comes to the support, you're essentially software. If you have some people and you don't even have to have an office if you don't. Right. And you don't need a bunch of full-time staff either, which is what he had. So, And I'm always curious when I'm looking at businesses like this, is this something, what I have noticed when businesses grow like this is that there is this unruly growth. It essentially, I call this the duct tape problem because business grows, you have a lot more clients and I'm just going to throw in more people, throw in more, right. more, more stuff in and not really looking at it. Does this make sense on how is this going to impact my profit? How is this going to increase my cost? It was that the situation with this particular client? Yes. He absolutely had not looked at any of that. And I think he was just in a really exhausted situation and kind of shooting from the hip, but it definitely was a fundamental overhaul in his model that he needed. Yeah. And I've seen that with the clients that I work as well. They're not in 800,000, but when it gets really, really problematic is when your business is a couple of millions in, you're two, yeah. three million, and now you have so much overhead that you don't need. Right. And so you've got to fix that. And there's areas in any business, whether it's hundreds of thousands or millions, where they are typically bleeding revenue, and we've got to fix that, plug those holes, right? Exactly. So Jessica, we talked about the internal and the external systems that you need to have in place. Mm-hmm. If someone's listening to this episode and there's a, well, you gave us a lot of information. There has been a lot of good suggestions here, but where do I really even start in the next, what can I do right now to get closer to where I need to be in something actionable in the next week or two that people can do? Yeah. I'd say look at your calendar because that's the first thing you got to do, right? If you're in a state of overwhelm, You need to look at your calendar and see how you can make adjustments to your schedule. Here's the bottom line. Grinding it out, we know doesn't work. They've done studies around this. Like there is a certain point where your productivity is going to be cut in half. So you pulling 12, 14 hour days is not going to get you closer to your goals. Like you need to create structure and create a stopping point and think about how I can be more intentional with my time and what is going to be the greatest return on an energy and for the investment of my time, like how am I going to get the most output for the the limited input that I can give to the business? And so taking control of your calendar is key, focusing on those high value activities. If you need to generate revenue, focus on generate, you know, revenue generating activities to get the cash flow to hire the strategy or the support that you need to make your business more successful. And how do you identify these high value activities, because sometimes when you look at your calendars, it's like everything's valuable. And you know, when everything's valuable, nothing's valuable. Well, what's the one that's going to impact your bottom line? That's what I look at. And that's the ones I'm going to do. And so you can structure what is urgent, when it impact the business in the next 30, 60, 90 days. And what's something that's like a nice to have that I can put off for another year, especially if you already have solid systems in place and, you know, you could tweak them and optimize them all day long. Is that the best use of your time. 
it really depends on where you're at in your business, right? And what you need right now. Because if what you need is more clients, then you need to focus on visibility. If you've got great clients, but the delivery is suffering, then that is going to be the greatest return on your energy right now is to fix delivery. If you've got clients who are dropping off and you're struggling with loyalty and retention, that's where you've got to focus. If you've got systems that is causing people to get mad or your leads are dropping off, then that's where you got to focus your energy. So you need to look at what's going on in the business and what are the different engines of the business? Is it the marketing engine? Is it the sales engine? Is it the operations engine? Is it the client delivery engine? What needs to be fixed? Where does 80% of your time need to go right now? And then the rest, you can split that other 20% around. So it's just like when scaling a business, it's like every level, there's different points where you're going to experience a next level growth of CEO growing pains. And so where are you at right now? What is urgent that needs to be fixed? The big things and fix it so that you're not constantly spending all your time putting out the small fires, but never really gaining any traction. I like to think of it as if you're in a boat in a lake and it has a lot of holes, it's the boat is sinking. You have to figure out where's the biggest the biggest hole so that you can cover and then you can focus on the smaller ones. Exactly. You can't split your focus and try to do all the little ones at once because you're going to end up sinking. Exactly. Yeah. Great analogy. (laughs) Thank you, Jessica. And thank you for being on the podcast. So please tell us where can people find you? Definitely check me out at jessicayarbro.com. There's some great resources you can download. Hit me up on LinkedIn. I put out content every single day. Send me a message. Let me know you heard me on the show. Thank you so much, Jessica. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining us on today's episode. And I hope that you got some practical and actionable tips on how you can successfully build the systems that you need to support the continued growth of your business, not just in the business, but also in your personal life as well, because they're very much related. Also, if you love this episode, you can find all of the timestamps, show notes, blog posts, and links on the website, newcastlefinance.us slash podcast. And before I go, do have a favor to ask if you are listening to this on Apple podcast, if you could please go to the show and tap the number of stars that you think the show deserves, because it helps other people find it. And it gives us that very important Apple podcast algorithm love. So, you know, people can actually find it. Thanks so much. Until next time.